0: Welcome to the Next Level Youth Podcast. Here you will find sermons and content from Next Level Youth. We meet every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. at the Palace of Praise Church. We hope this content challenges and encourages you in your walk of faith. Let's grow in Christ together. So uh, a couple weeks ago at Guys Life Group, we normally start with like, with a, like a pretty chill, um, like break the ice question from like, uh, what's your favorite pizza? That's an easy one. Or if you could um, run 100 miles an hour or fly 10 miles an hour, which one would you do? Questions like that. Which one would you want to do? And it's definitely fly 10 miles an hour. Uh, anyway, if you want to argue about it, we can talk about it after service. Um, but, but this night... I looked at the boys and I said, Hey, um, how's school going? And what followed uh, was very interesting. I uh, I had no idea what I opened up. I had no idea what can of worms that was unleashed before me. And as I sat there and I listened to guys pour out their heart about their school and talk about their point of view... Um, I didn't know, I, I came with a different plane that night, uh, and I didn't know that it was going to be me and Josh, like, diving into what they said, um, and I, am not going to, you, you might be wondering, like, are you going to get into what they said? No, um, you go to school, you know what happens in school, unless you're a homeschooler, uh, and I'm sorry, uh, I guess you could go to some school in the metaverse and hang out with people, I don't know, but... Is that a thing? Nobody knows. All right. Um, and it, it wasn't what was said that bothered me. It, it wasn't. And I'm not calling these boys out, and they know that. They were there. We talked about it. I'm not here to bash anyone. Hear my heart, okay? It wasn't what they said that bothered me. It was the attitude of it. It was the perspective they had. It was the, the point of view, um, and I'll do my best to at least describe at least what I was experiencing in the moment. Um, and boys, if you were there, you can come argue with me about it afterwards if you need to. I don't think they would. I sensed a lot of anxiousness, worry, concern that they were just very troubled. Uh, go ahead and just raise your hand. Um, If you walk into school and it just burdens you, it troubles you, what you see, what's going on, what you're experiencing, just raise your hand, it's okay, put it up, be ashamed of it, just put it up there, you're like, you're baiting me. Not really, kind of, not really, Um, it's okay to be honest, Uh, but so as I listened, we got to this point, and those boys that were here can testify, and I just looked at them and I said, okay, that's enough, I've heard enough. And for the next however many minutes, Josh Cochran and I talked to these boys and tried to help give them a godly perspective. A different point of view on what they were experiencing, what school was like, what the world was like, and the way they should look at it. Uh, And if you know me, um, Daenerys can testify to this because he's talked to me about it a lot. But if you get to know me, one of the things that I just crave is perspective. I love perspective. I love to gain points of view. I hunger for it. I crave it. I pursue it, and I'll pay for it. Sometimes I just go to a concert. You know why I go? Perspective. You know why? I I love listening to people that actually disagree with me. I I love it. It doesn't bother me at all. You want to know why? I want perspective. I want a point of view. I don't want some brosley missouri singular view on the world and everything in it okay now i'm not putting this pressure on you i'm just telling you that this is something that i long for it's something that honestly i've been gifted with um and and some might call it a curse if they knew what was going on in my mind that's why my wife's laughing over there because i will go somewhere and i will observe the same thing that you do I will take part in, in the same thing that you do and what I get out of it and what I see will be completely different than pretty much everybody. Babe, can you, can you attest? That's my wife over there. She will confirm that this is true. It's just the way it is. Um, so it's hard being me. Um, I'm talking movies, like church, like meals, Sermons, conversations, I just get something different. That's the way it is. Um, here's the thing. As much as I love perspective, and as much as I like, I love to examine myself. I, I really do. Um, I like to figure out why I think the way I think. I, I do. I like to figure out why I react the way I react. Um, but my perspective is no good if God's not in it. I've been following them a long time. I've been in church all my life. I preached the Bible for a living for the past eight years. But if God's not in my perspective, it's no good. This bleak outlook that these students had on school, as you saw when you raised your hand, is all too common. It's a common perspective that people have right now. And I pay a lot of attention, uh, more attention than I wish sometimes. And you know what I hear all the time from people inside the church and outside the church? Negativity, bleak outlook, anxiousness, worry, hopelessness. I hear it from the church and outside these four walls all the same. I can't tell you just in the past two days how many people I've heard that know Jesus, talking bleak about the state of all things. All right? I, I, it, it's all the time. It's all the time. I'm going somewhere. Look at your neighbor say, he's going somewhere. <clears throat> so buckle up, buttercup. Four people said that, maybe. Um, that was probably a little bit, uh, yeah, dramatic of a number. Anyway, if you go to your Bible... I hope you do. If you don't have a physical copy of the Bible, come find me. I'll get you one, okay? We have some for you. If you go to Matthew 24, Jesus is sitting alone with his disciples. Now, I'm being calm now because chances are I won't be later, okay? So just hear me out. Matthew 24, 3 through 14, Jesus is having a private conversation with his disciples, and the the heading of these verses is, is this. Signs of the end of the age. Signs of the end of the age. And Jesus starts to tell, we won't read them, but I'll tell you, Jesus starts to tell his disciples what it's going to look like before he returns for his church. All right. This is what he says. There's going to be a lot of false messiahs rise up and say they're the Christ. They're not. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars, famines, earthquakes, Death of Christians who stand in and profess my name. There's going to be tons of betrayal, hatred, lawlessness, and the love of many will grow, will grow cold. Sounds like a good time. Sounds like a really sweet time. Does that pump you up? Oh, wow. Okay. But what does Jesus say in the middle of all of this? Verse 6, Matthew 24, 6. This is what he says You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. Do not be alarmed. The King James says, Do not be troubled. The NLT says, you see these things happening, don't panic. These things must happen. If you know this, and some of you didn't, and that's okay. It's okay if you've never read this before, but if you know this, Why are you surprised? Why are you surprised that people aren't living for God? Why are you surprised that people hate each other? Why are you surprised by the division? Why are you surprised that it's 90 degrees on September 27th? Why? Why? This must take place. But don't be alarmed. Don't be troubled. Don't panic. But how many of you are panicking? And I'm sorry if your parents are panicking. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They need a perspective change. And if you're panicking, if you're concerned, if you're troubled, you need a perspective change. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, don't get so fixated on all this bad that you forget that I'm the boss. I'm allowing this to happen. I'm in charge. Chill. Is that the death of an iPhone that I just heard? Oh, man. I was about, I've been praying for that. I'll, I've been fasting and praying for that. We got titanium on our phones now. Titanium's been around since 1910. Who cares? Who cares? I looked it up. I was so mad. iPhone's flexing. We got titanium on our phone. Who cares? It's been around since 1910. New technology. Whoa, so cool. Anyway, good grief. Get a grip, man. If you got an iPhone 15, you're, you're, I, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Holy Spirit restricted my tongue. Anyway. John 16:33. I'm dragging my feet. I got to move. I have said these things. Jesus says, I've said these things that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. You're going to experience it for yourself. You're going to have hard times. You're going to see hard times in the world. But what? Take heart. I have overcome the world. You're going to have a hard time. Things are going to happen. It's going to be bad around you perhaps. But take heart. Let me give you peace. Be full of courage. Be full of confidence. Be full of hope because of me. Be full of hope because what I afforded you on the cross. Victory over all these things you see. Take place. Jesus already conquered it all. And one day it'll be wiped clean. Jesus conquered all the things that trouble us. And because of him, we get to reap the benefits of his victory. That's what we get to do. Now, if Jesus said these things, and he did, and if what Jesus said is true, and it is, then shouldn't the people who know Jesus... Have a different perspective on what's going on in the world than the world does. Should we be as hopeless as the world is, as bleak as the world is, as obsessed about inflation and the election and whatever else El Nino winter I think is coming? I'm really scared. I'm being facetious. But here's the thing. I think too often that's the case and the church is just as bleak and hopeless about the world as the world is. You experience that? Anybody? Nobody? Okay, cool. This is what I see. I see a church and I see a people who know Jesus cower down in fear. Just cower down. And the word that that we'll focus on tonight, and this is where we're headed, is the word stand. It's time to stop cowering down in fear, and it's time to stand in confidence in the name of Jesus, on the name of Jesus, in his word, and on his word. We're supposed to be different. Why are we the same? We're supposed to be rubbing off on the world. Why are they rubbing off on us? Because we're so fixated on the bad. And we forgot how big and powerful our God is. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be watchful. This is Paul wrapping up 1 Corinthians. Stand firm in faith. Act like men. Be strong. That's not telling everyone to act like men. To be clear. Be watchful. Stand firm. Be strong. Ephesians 6 talks about the armor of God. And in these verses, it says in verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And in the verses following, it mentions stand four times. Twice it says stand. Once it says withstand. And once it says stand firm. Stand firm, and that's the title tonight, as I've already said, is stand, it's time to stand, it's time to stop cowering in fear, so to finish the night, we're going to Daniel 3, all right, Daniel chapter 3, a popular Bible story anyway, and we're going to read all 30 verses, so just deal with it, this is church, we read the Bible, you know that in the early days of the church, they would literally just sit down and read the Bible together for as long as it took to read a book of the Bible. Did you know that? Now you do. You're welcome. You're welcome. You actually learned something, all right? And this, I believe, gives us months insight, even though this historical event event happened thousands of years ago. It gives us a lot of insight, I believe, into what standing actually looks like. Because my fear is you either cower in fear or we stand the wrong way and we stand on the wrong things. And we, we just get it wrong. That's what I'm afraid of, and that's what I see. I'm not afraid of it, but that's what I see. That's reality. Daniel 3, 1 through 30. Hopefully you're still hanging with me. I stayed calm. I think the Holy Spirit kept me calm because I'm pretty riled up on the inside, okay? I'm just being honest. Uh, here we go. <clears throat> King Nebuchadnezzar, best name in the Bible. Made an image of gold. It is. I don't care what anyone says. Whose height was sixty cubits, and its breadth six cubits—about ninety feet tall. Okay, nine feet wide. Monstrous. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. The, then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and the officials of the provinces. To come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. Then the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the counselors, the treasurer, I don't know why I asked to say it all again, the justices, magistrates, all the officials of the provinces, gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And Harold proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, Nations and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down, to bow, and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall in worship shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down. All the people fell down and worshipped the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore at that certain time Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O King, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the hornpipe, lyre, trigon, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the promise of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered them, And said to them, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, dragon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. I'm going to give you another shot, he says. Last chance. We're going to play the music. You can bow next time. That's what's going to happen. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast in the fire furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? It was a mockery. He was saying, who's going to help you? Is your God going to help you? Uh, Anyway, verse 16. Are you with me? All right. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. Not going to do it. Don't care what you do. Not doing it. Not happening. Verse 19. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. The expression on his face was changed. You ever seen that before? Oh, it's fun. Anyway. Anyway. Super mad. Super ticked. His face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more hot than it was usually heated. He ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to cast them into the fiery furnace. These, then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and other garments, and they were thrown in the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flames of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So it's so hot, and they're so worried that the king's going to kill them anyway, that these men that go throw these guys in, they actually die from the heat throwing them in the fire, all right? And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound in the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, rose up in haste, he declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire. They're not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door to the, the burning fiery furnace and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, Come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the king's counselors gathered together, saw the fire not any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed. Crazy. Their cloaks were not harmed. No smell of fire had even come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him, and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve. And worship any god except their god. Therefore, make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb. Wow. And their house is laid in ruins. <clears throat> what a guy. For there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way than the king promoted. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. I'm pretty sure you've got to promote them then. I mean, I'm pretty sure they're a shoe-in for a promotion, right? Amen. I read that slowly, so I won't go over it again, all right? I was going to give you Zach's message version, but I won't. Because I read the thing slow on purpose. So, so much to uncover. We can only cover... We can only uncover so much, so let's get it, all right? First, I wanna focus on this. We're gonna focus on this, okay? You tracking with me so far? Yes. Look at me. Mira May, are you with me? Yes. All right, here we go. We're gonna get in the nitty gritty as quick as I can, all right? First, I want to focus on what they refused to do, okay? Because you read the story, you see what they did. You heard what they did, but what about what they refused to do? Maybe you saw it, maybe you didn't. Three things, all right? First thing we know, they refused to bow down and worship this false idol. They refused because their allegiance was with the one true God. They stood, even though everyone else, even the Israelites who were with them in captivity in Babylon, even those people who should have known better, even they bowed. Even they, only those three stood. They stood even though it had been just easier to bow and go on. Wouldn't that have been just easier? It would have been. They stood even though they knew what the repercussions would be. Nebuchadnezzar had, he had him a little like reputation. And I think he really liked to hurt people. Did you you follow with us as we read? I think he liked to bring pain. I think he did. Anyway, sicko. They stood for the one true God, and they didn't focus on standing against anyone. Notice, they didn't even stand against King Nebuchadnezzar. I'll explain if you're like, what do you mean? I'll explain. Second thing, they refused to even defend God to the king. What did they say? We can learn from this. You're like, what are you trying to say? Just wait. In the ESV, it says, as we read, we don't need to answer you in this matter. NLT says, we don't need to defend ourselves before you, king. We're not doing it. Our allegiance is with the one true God. We don't need to defend ourselves in this matter. Third thing, and this kind of ties together, they didn't like call out... Anyone for bowing to these gods? Hear me out. I could imagine like being there, you're standing up trying to take yourself there. The music plays. It sounded terrible. I don't know what a trigon is, but it, I don't, it probably didn't sound good. Anyway, it probably sounded pretty good. I don't know. The music plays, and everybody bows. Even your home, even your homies from Israel that got captured with you, they bow too. Right? And it's like... The Bible doesn't say. It's important what it says and it's important what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that they looked over at their homies and said, stand up. What are you doing? It doesn't say, you idiot! Stand up! They didn't go to the king calling him an idiot. They didn't go to the king saying, this idol's a bunch of bull. Even though it wasn't a bull, from what I could tell... Didn't do that. They just refused to follow suit. They just refused to bow. So we brought that out. So, lessons for us, and this is where we wrap up the night. I'm going to try to be fast, and I'm going to try not to be angry. I'm gonna, if I get angry, it's because I care. It's because I, I really do. I care. Um, And I'm going to try to clarify myself as much as I can because you can easily, what I'm about to say can be twisted and you can try to make it me say what I didn't say. So hear me out, okay? Please. What can we learn today from something that happened thousands of years ago? What can we apply now? That was then, this is now, but we can apply these things. First thing I want to bring out to you, all right? We don't need to cower in fear like the world. We need to stand, okay? We don't need to bow and serve the same idols and worship the same things that the world does. We need to stand and we need to worship the one true God. But as we stand, we have to understand this. We are standing for a person. We're standing for a person, all right? We, when we stand and we refuse to be like everyone else, And we refuse to live like everyone else. When we do that, when we refuse to bow to the idols of this culture and of this world, when we do that, we're standing for our God, the one true God who is our Father and wants to be our friend. We're not standing up for just good morals, we're not just making a stand for good rules. We're not just making a stand for a better way of life. We're not just making a stand to make people transform their behavior. We are making a stand for the one who will transform our heart, which will change our behavior. And those two things are not the same. We can't just be happy, church, followers of Christ, when the world looks like it has good morals. Hope you hear me. I think a lot of people would be happy if, if non-Christians wouldn't just throw their, put their sin so public. Like, done in public or done in private, sin affords you hell. We should only be happy, and happy is such a flippant term, and I'm careful to say it. We should only be satisfied when people are going to heaven. Good morals never saved anyone. Ask the Pharisees how that's going. Ask them. You can't. They're in hell. Matthew 23, go read it. Go read it and see what it's like when someone tries to transform themselves from the inside out. And the gospel is, you come and you know a person, and that person is Jesus. And he comes and he washes you clean of your sin of the past. And then he places his spirit on the inside of you, and he transforms you from the inside out. We cannot try to shove people into just good morals and good rules. Is that what you do to your friends when you see them? Sinning, is that what you do? You shouldn't do that. Well, why not? I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Kind of. Not really. We, as Christians, there are things to stand against, and we do, and I'll get there. Hear me out. But we should be known more for what we stand for instead of just what we stand against. Did you hear me? We stand for a person. We stand for what he says. It's not our opinion. It's him. And when you go out on a limb and you take a stand against sin, please be careful and please think about what you're doing. Not that there are things we shouldn't stand against. Please hear me out. Don't get it twisted. But we can't stand against certain types of marriages, but then bat an eye at divorce. Do I need to say that again? I won't. I'm going to say it one time. You start talking about marriage, people really quiet down. I've experienced it before. You're going to stand up against alcohol? Are you, are you at the buffet, the new buffet protesting, saying gluttony's bad for you? You doing that? Like, are we going to just pick and choose what we're cool with and what we're not? We stand for a person, and we stand against everything he says, and we don't stand against it to stand against it. We stand for someone who says what is right and wrong. Don't get it twisted. These are two different ways of life. They're not the same. You know what I want to know? I want to know what he says is right and what he says is wrong and I don't really care what anybody else says. Why would I? I serve him. I live for him. He is my God. My allegiance is not just with this church. I love this church. It's not with my family. It's not, it's, it's not there. It's with him. So I seek truth. I seek his way and I'm not out to change anyone. I'm out to show people Jesus, and that's the way it's supposed to be. Don't get it twisted. Because why would anyone stand for someone they don't know? We look at our friends and say, hey, you should should stop having sex, and that's good, that's great, and it's true. But what about when that's fueled by a person? What about when that's fueled by heart transformation? What about when that's fueled by Jesus? It changes things. If you didn't know God, and if you don't know God, then why would you care what he says? And why would you care what's right or wrong in his eyes if you don't know him? Why wouldn't you just indulge? Why wouldn't you just do what you wanted to do? Why wouldn't you just look at porn all the time? Why not? Because Christ has a better way. A different way that's so countercultural that contradicts every part of our flesh. We've got to introduce people to a person, not just some way of life, but the one who gives life and empowers a new way of life. We need to learn God does not need a lawyer, He doesn't need legal counsel, He doesn't need PR. He doesn't need HR. He doesn't need a lawyer. If God had a lawyer, this book would look a lot different. Read it. There's some stuff in here I wouldn't have put in there if I was his lawyer. God, that's not a good look. I don't know about that. He doesn't need your counsel. It's not our job to defend him. Now, there, am I against apologetics? No. Am I against, and am I saying you shouldn't have conversations with people about why there is a God and stuff like that? It's not what I'm saying. But please understand, when you're sitting in front of someone, you're not taking them to trial. God does that. God does that. You're trying to show them a person. We've got to start showing people a person Who cares if the world gets better, but the same amount of people go to hell? Who cares? I don't. God's don't. God doesn't. And if that's your version of better, you need a new version. I told you I was going to get, uh, because I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. It's not because I'm better than anyone else. I just, this is in my soul. I can't help it. I can't help it. Moving on. You ever just feel like you're alone? You walk into school and you're alone. Elijah, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, I think. Elijah, fire falls on Mount Carmel, Tommy. Mount Carmel. I love you, Tommy. He says caramel, he's weird. Fire falls slaughters prophets, read it, don't have time, I'm not God's PR, and next chapter, next chapter, I just lost my train of thought, but next chapter, Elijah's like, I'm all alone. No one's standing for your name, God. And you know what God, he he tells them a lot, but you know what he tells them? Hey, there's 6,000 people in Israel that haven't bowed. To Baal. You feel like you're alone, but you're not. We need each other. Luckily, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were homies, they were on the same page, they were friends with God, friends with each other. They had each other. But even then, here's what's so cool. They weren't alone. There was a fourth in the fire. And many people believe that fourth was Jesus Christ the son of God for good reason but even when here's the thing about the story okay we understand Jesus showed up they were delivered they were promoted everything was good then you go to act 7 one of the heavier stories in the bible and you see Stephen standing up Preaching the word, anger stirred, just like this story. Anger. Go read it. Stone Stephen to death, throw rocks till he dies. And you might say, Stephen was all alone. No, go read the story. He looks up, and who's there? Jesus is there. He looks up in the heavens and sees Jesus. and He says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Even when it felt like he was alone and other people thought he was alone, they couldn't see him. They couldn't see Jesus. Not from what I can tell, but Stephen did. Even when. And that's the faith. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, even if... Our God can, but even if. Stephen said, my God could stop you, but even if. He didn't say it out of his mouth, but his actions portrayed that. <clears throat> In closing, and then we're going to break into groups quickly and pray for one another, okay? <clears> okay. <throat> We have. I put three up because this is point three, at least on my paper here. Okay? You're like, what's three about? It's a good number. Trinity. Praise God. Christ like perspective. Jesus is on the cross. He's on the cross. All right, I want a little rewind. King Neb wasn't the enemy. The people kneeling down weren't the enemy. Luke 23: 34, if you could put it up. Jesus is hanging on the cross. And this is what he said. "Father, Stephen said the same thing. What, what a thing to say, but Jesus pinned this. It's him. It says, "Heart." The only one who has the power. Anyway, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus is standing on a cross, being mocked. He's been beaten beyond recognition. And what was his perspective on the people? How did he see them? Did he call them out? Did he belittle them? Did he say, one day if you don't accept me, I'll get you? Father, oh, Father, they don't know what they're doing. I'm making a way for them to be forgiven. I want these people to know you. Forgive them, Father. You might sit here, and I've said this before, but you might sit here and say, I wasn't even there you were there you put him on the cross just like everyone else did you were there you weren't in physical attendance but your sin was there look at me your sin was there your sin was there and he took care of it if you know him Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus lived a certain way. Christians live a certain way. But it's all about Jesus. He is the way to new life. He is the one who says what is right and what is wrong. This is about the one true God who is a person that can be personally known and experienced. And that's who we stand for. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Thank you for tuning in. God bless.